Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie continues his family series with some specific encouragement for women. Wives, you want to become a virtuous woman. And there's so little said about this in culture today. So much of the focus of all of the women's magazines that are out there are on your appearance. Don't make that your primary focus. Be the best version of you that you can be. century playwright wrote, If you's just a little tadpole, don't you try to be the frog. Don't you be what you ain't, just you be what you is. If a man is what he isn't, then he isn't what he is. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps husbands and wives in particular be the people God created them to be. It's good counsel from God's Word today on how men and women can work together to enjoy more harmony in the home. All right, we're in our series that we're calling Home Sweet Home where we're talking about the family. How many of you are married? Raise your hand up. Okay, good. How many of you have a home sweet home? Raise up your hand. How many of you could use some help in your home sweet home? Well, let's grab our Bibles. We're gonna turn to 1 Peter chapter three. 1 Peter chapter three. And the title of my message is How to Get a New Husband. So ladies, are you happy you came to church today? <laughs> Guys, are you unhappy? You came, like what is, what is this message? I think it'll be okay for both of you. Heard a story, told you this one before, about a guy that was walking down a beach here in Southern California and saw something shiny coming out of the sand. So he stooped down and reached down and picked it up and it was a lamp and he was rubbing it off the sand and a genie appears. True story. <laughs> and the genie says, oh master, I will give you one wish. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. The guy says, one wish? What happened to three wishes? I'll, hey, the economy, it's just hard these days. We're down to one wish. Wow, one wish, hmm. Guy thought about it for a moment, said, you know, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I've heard it's beautiful. I've seen photos. I've seen film. But I have a fear of flying and I don't want to get in an airplane. So if you could build a bridge from California to Hawaii so I could drive over and see the islands, that would be awesome, Jeannie. That's my wish. And Jeannie says, what are you, crazy? Do you know how much work that is? How much expense is involved in building a bridge from California to Hawaii? The concrete alone would cost so much. There's no way I can do that wish for something else. The guy thinks about it for a moment. He says, well, you know what, Jeannie? I I've never been able to understand women. And I especially don't understand my wife. So here's my wish, Jeannie. From this point forward, I want to be able to understand women. Jeannie says, back to the bridge. Two lanes are four. <laughs> you know, 
Despite 42 years of marriage, I can't say that I understand women. I think in general for guys, girls are a mystery to us, but here's what I've also found. Sometimes girls are a mystery to girls. Okay, but I know someone who does understand you very well, and that's God Himself who created you. So let's see what the scripture has to say about the role of the woman and specifically the wife in marriage. First Peter 3, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way, for this particular portion. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, even those who refuse to accept the good news. Your godly lies will speak to them better than any words. They'll be won over by watching your pure godly behavior. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty that depends on fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. We'll stop there. So what do we learn here about getting a new husband? Point number one, be the best version of you that you can be. Be the best version of you that you can be. Now first and foremost for a girl, you want to be godly. You want to become a virtuous woman. I hope you've read Proverbs 31, but if you haven't, go read that later. And it tells you all about what a woman of virtue looks like. And by the way, the word virtue uh, is not purely a feminine word. I think we might think of it uh, in a feminine context only, but in the Bible it's also used to describe men in certain instances. So the word virtuous is a word that actually means purity, strength, force, and value. It doesn't mean weakness. It means purity, strength, force, and value. It speaks of a balanced woman who is strong in every way. She is a woman that is beautiful on the outside and also on the inside. And there's so little said about this in culture today. So much of the focus of all of the women's magazines that are out there are on your appearance. How to lose X amount of pounds by summer. How to have better sex. Uh, you know, it's all in the outward. When is the last time in the cover of Cosmo or some other women's magazine you read this headline? How to be a godly girl. An in-depth look at Proverbs 31. Never, er, er. <laughs> and you never will see it. Because that's not the focus of culture today. It's all in the way that you look. And as, as age kicks in, uh, some girls are frustrated by the fact that they don't look the way they used to look. And so they're a little bit concerned, a little bit worried about that. The pull of gravity is kicking in. And maybe your striking beauty is no longer there. But here's the thing. If you concentrate on being a beautiful woman on the inside as well as the outside, you'll be more attractive with the passing of years, not less so. There's something very special about a godly girl. And that is why I think many times non-believers uh, are attracted to Christian women. Because they don't find those values in the other girls out there. So they come to the Christian woman. They see that virtue. They see that quality. And they want that quality. But of course, girls, just a little word of advice. Don't ever hook up with an ungodly man. When you're looking for a guy, if you're single, uh, you want to find one that loves the Lord. And if you're already married to a guy that isn't as godly as you want him to be, we'll find out what you should do in this message right here. But the godly woman focuses primarily on the internal but does not forget the external. Let me say that again. The godly woman 
focuses on the internal, the spiritual, but does not forget about the external, the, the physical. And it's interesting, the word that is used here in verse three, let your adornment not be merely outward. The word adorning is from the Greek word cosmos. We get our word cosmetic from it. Don't focus primarily on cosmetics. It doesn't say don't use them at all. Uh, you know, sometimes the question is asked, should a Christian girl wear makeup? Simple answer. If a house needs painting, hey, <laughs> paint it. So this is not a put down of outward beauty. This is not a, a criticism of doing everything you can to be attractive. It's saying don't make that your primary focus. Actually as you look in scripture you'll find the Bible does not forbid women to look attractive. It even encourages it. The bride of Solomon's in Song of Solomon uh, chapter one verse 10 is described as a woman of beauty that wears beautiful clothing. The same is said in Proverbs 31 22 of the virtuous woman. God is not condemning a woman for dressing herself attractively. The criticism is being preoccupied with it. The criticism is don't only think about that, but we can go too far on either side, right? We can be all about the spiritual and neglect the outward, or we can be all about the outward and neglect the inward. We need to find the balance that is given to us in Scripture. Be the best version of you that you can be. Be as attractive as you can be. Uh, I think sometimes in the name of spirituality, some Christian women neglect their appearance. Christian men too. Being sloppy and unkempt is not a virtue. And you say, well I'm married now. He needs to love me the way that I am. Uh, yeah. But are you doing everything you can to be the most attractive woman you can be? Well, Greg, I'm not a runway model, okay? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he's not George Clooney either or Brad Pitt. Yeah, all right. Got that. That's why I said be the best version of you that you can be. It is important to take care of the physical body that God has given to you. Don't think it's unspiritual to be concerned about weighing too much or being out of shape or neglecting yourself. That's not an unspiritual thing at all. In fact, Scripture tells us that bodily exercise is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. Yeah, it's of some value. It doesn't say it's of no value. So you want to find that right balance. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. You know, my uncle, Fred Jordan, had one of the first Christian TV programs out there. It was called Church in the Home. I remember watching it as a little boy when I was living with my grandparents. Well, we have Church in the Home for you every weekend. It's called Harvest at Home, and you can find it at harvest.org. We have worship and a message from God's Word. So join us this weekend for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, today, Pastor Greg is bringing practical encouragement to Christian wives and husbands from his Christian family series called Home Sweet Home. Let's continue now. Number two, respect your man. Respect your man, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> that is what he needs from thee, okay? Look at verse one. Now I'm speaking, uh, reading from New King James. 
Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. And if even some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives while they observe your chaste and respectful, respectful conduct accompanied by fear, or a better word would be respect. You must respect your husband. Ephesians 5.33 says, Let each one of you men in particular love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ladies, do you respect your husband? Listen to this. Wives need love, and husbands need respect. That's not to say that husbands don't need love and wives don't need respect, but it is to say Scripture very specifically says to wives, respect your husband, and very specifically says to husbands, love your wives. So I think we should pay attention to that. You know, a, a woman needs to be affirmed. A woman needs to be encouraged. She needs to know that you love her and appreciate her. You know, sometimes men are mischaracterized as not being emotional. We'll say women are emotional and men are not. Not true at all. Men are just as emotional as women are. We just suppress it, that's all. Because maybe we have the idea that's not masculine. And I have two words for any man that thinks it's unmasculine to express emotion. Ready for the words? Jesus wept. You know, Jesus was the man's man there was never a more manly guy that walked the planet than Jesus Christ. But he expressed emotion, weeping, sorrow, joy, and all the rest. And, but we'll hold those things in. But, but we're feeling him. So sometimes a guy, and you need to know this about your husband, uh, girls, he'll look at you and think, wow, she looks beautiful today. Or I love her so much. But he doesn't say anything. So guys, step up your game and say it. You know, you look beautiful. Okay, so women need love. But men need respect. You know, guys are pretty low maintenance when it's all said and done. Uh, I know this from my own wife who raised two boys and others that have raised boys and girls. I'll always say, boys are so much easier to raise than girls. Which brings me to my point, even girls don't understand girls. <laughs> right? Boys are kind of what you see is what you get. And uh, guys don't need as much as you may think. Here's one thing a guy needs from you, respect. See, if a guy comes home from work and he's exhausted and you tell him all the things he needs to do and tell him all the things he's doing wrong and tell him how he's not measuring up, this can be harmful because you need to balance it with respect and you don't have to do it every day, but every once in a while throw the guy a bone and just say, honey, I don't know if I've said this to you lately, but I love you and I so respect you as a man, as a husband, and as a father, and I admire you. Wow, you just got like days, maybe weeks of chores right there. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> With a nagging would never accomplish, that little compliment will help you in more ways than you would ever realize. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husband. Here's a problem. When a husband feels disrespected, he has a natural tendency to react in ways that seem unloving to the wife. And when a wife feels unloved, she has a tendency to react in ways that feel disrespectful to her husband. So here's what you need to do. Just do your part. As I've said before, read your own mail. Don't quote verses to your husband about what he's supposed to do. Guys, don't quote verses to your wife about what she's supposed to do. Read the verses directed at you and do your part. Stop reading each other's mail. 
Don't wait until you feel love. Do loving things. Don't wait until you feel respect. Show it in your actions. I heard about a woman that uh, didn't want to be married anymore. She hated her husband. So she went down to see a, a divorce attorney. Said, now listen, I, I want to divorce him, but I don't want to just divorce him. I want to hurt him. I want to devastate him. And I want you to help me know how to do that. And the attorney said, hmm, I have an idea. How about this? For the next three months, I want you to tell your husband how much you love him. Tell him how much you respect him. And smother him with compliments. And just tell him about all the great things you see in him. Do it for three months. And he'll be so built up and so encouraged. And then just drop it on him. I'm divorcing you. It'll hit him like a bombshell. She says, <laughs> evil laugh. I like that. And that's what she did for three months. Complimented him. Smothered him with affection. Told him how much she respected him. And now the three months are up. The attorney kept it on his calendar. He gave her a call. Okay, it's time to file for the divorce. She said, divorce? What are you talking about? We're going on our second honeymoon. <laughs> what did she do? She just honored a simple biblical principle by respecting her husband. Point number three. Submit to the leadership of your husband. Submit to the leadership of your husband. First Peter 3, uh, 1 to 2, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives while they observe your chaste and respectful conduct accompanied by fear. Now, let's be honest. Nobody wants to submit to anyone in culture today. We're in a narcissistic, me first culture and we don't like the idea of submitting ourselves to any form of authority. So when we come to the Bible and read this word, we don't like it. But let's understand something. We're all called to submit to God, right? Submit to God, the Bible says. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And then also in the marriage, husbands and wives are both called to submit to each other. In an earlier message in this series, I pointed out in Ephesians 5 how it says, submit one to another and the reverence of God. So before a word is said to the wife about her submission to the husband, we're told that both husband and wife should submit to one another. What does that mean? It means that you rank yourself under. It's a military term meaning that someone ranks over you. So the husband says, I'm gonna submit to her. I'm gonna support her. I'm gonna get underneath her and hold her up. She says the same thing for him. So first it starts with submission to God and then mutual submission to one another. But now there's a specific place for the roles of the man and the woman in the marriage. Now, this is not in any way to suggest that a man is superior and a woman is inferior. It is to say, rather, they belong to each other. Therefore, when God calls a woman to submit to the leadership of the man, he's not saying she's any less than a man because she isn't. Showing men, of equal, men and women have equal standing before God, Paul writes in Galatians 3.28, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, listen, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. So though there is no difference between men and women in the nature of their salvation and standing with God, there is a structure of authority that God has set in the marriage. 1 Corinthians 11.3 sums it up perfectly. Paul writes, I want you to know ahead of every man is Christ, and the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. 
Now let's understand what this verse means and I think we'll get the bigger picture of how this all works. Notice it says the head of Christ is God. Now let's think for a moment about the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? They're co-equal and they're co-eternal. The Father is not any more God than the Son is and the Son is not more God or more of a deity than the Spirit is. They're all God. They're all part of the Godhead. They all are deity but yet they have separate functions and roles. And scripture teaches that God the Father is the head of Christ. Though Jesus was God when he walked this earth, he submitted to the will of the Father, didn't he? He lowered himself. In fact, Philippians says he laid aside his rights and privileges or emptied himself from the Greek word kenosis, the emptying. So he put the will of the Father even above the will of his own. Does that mean Jesus was less than the Father? No, they're equal. But it means that he took a different role for he himself said, I and the Father are one. So the relationship structure of Christ to God the Father is the same with marriage. Though the husband and wife are equal in their standing before God, in order for the family to function in harmony, the woman, with no loss of dignity, takes a place of submission to the headship of the husband. The husband models the way God loves the church. The wife models the way the church loves God. The husband has the God-given responsibility to provide for, protect, and lead, just as the Lord does the church. And the wife is to submit graciously to the servant leadership the husband provides just as the church submits willingly to the headship of Christ. Now listen, any husband with half a brain will listen to his wife. I can't think of a decision I've made in our marriage of 42 years where I've not consulted my wife Kathy. What do you think of this? And I get her input. And there are many times when I think I want to go a certain way She'll say one thing, I'll say, yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll do it your way. Sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I'll walk away and say, no, I'm gonna do it my way. And then I'll think about it. Nah, she's right. I'll go back, you're right. No, I think your idea is better. Then there are times I'll say, no, we need to do this. And it turns out I'm right. <laughs> and there are times I say, we need to do this. And it turns out I'm wrong. You know, see, it works in many ways. But the point is, there has to be some kind of a structure. But if you're smart, guys, you'll listen to your wife of the woman of virtue in Proverbs 31, it says that her husband has full confidence in her. He lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Pastor Greg Laurie with great encouragement for Christian wives today in a message called How to Get a New Husband. It's from his Christian family series, Home Sweet Home. Well, Pastor Greg, let me ask you, what do we do in those times when the bottom just absolutely falls out of our lives? Hmm. And we wonder if maybe God wasn't paying attention. If he was paying attention, how would he let that happen? Hmm. Help us think through those moments of crisis. Right. Well, let's pull the camera back and get the big picture. Our life has a beginning, a middle, and an end. God created us to walk with Him and to know Him. 
And God is also preparing us for heaven because heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. So God's end game, if you will, is to make you more like Jesus. You know, we often quote Romans 8.28 in times of crisis, but we forget there's a verse that follows. So Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. But then verse 29 says, For whom he called, he also did foreknow to be conformed into the image of his own dear son. So sometimes when we isolate Romans 8.28, we come to the conclusion of, oh, well, this is a bad thing. God will make it into a good thing. That's not what the promise says. It says he'll cause all things to work together for good. But what is the ultimate good? The removal of our problem? No. The ultimate good is to be more like Jesus. So God is either done what is happening in your life, or he has allowed it for his purposes. So that is the moment we must learn to trust him. And speaking of trusting him, here's a family who has trusted God through great difficulty, not only losing many family members in a short period of time, but losing the real matriarch of their family, their mother and the wife of Tony Evans. I'm talking about Lois Evans, and I'm talking about the Evans family. Tony is the dad, and we have Crystal, Priscilla, Anthony, and Jonathan, all of them walking with the Lord. That's a real tribute to not only Tony, but especially to Lois. And the title of this book is Divine Disruption. What's really unique about this book, Dave, is the whole family chimed in and participated and contributed to it. And this is a book that brings hope and encouragement. It's subtitled, Holding on to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart. Maybe I'm talking to somebody right now who has a broken heart. It makes no sense what has happened to you. And you're wondering, as Dave mentioned earlier, is God paying attention? The answer is, yes, he is. Because as I've often said, the word oops is not in God's vocabulary. God's at work in your life. But let me share this book with you, which will offer you a biblical perspective and honest words of encouragement. I say honest because the Evans family is candid as they discuss what it's like to lose someone as important as their mother. And Tony's speaking of losing his wife. But really, do we really lose someone when we know where they are? They all know that she's in heaven. They know they'll see her again. And that is the hope of the Christian. Let me send you this book, Divine Disruption, for your gift of any size. And whatever you send will be used to help us continue to bring the gospel to people that need to hear it and to bring words of hope to those who are feeling hopeless. Yeah, that's right. It's such an important resource for those who are facing these kinds of emotional challenges right now. Get this book for yourself or give it to someone you know who could use this biblical encouragement. Again, it's called Divine Disruption. And we'll send a copy your way to say thank you for your donation to help us continue these daily studies here on A New Beginning. We're completely listener-supported, and we so much appreciate those who partner with us. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's a 24-7 phone number, 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514, or go online to harvest.org. And don't forget, if you've made a commitment to the Lord by listening to these studies, drop Pastor Greg an email at greg at harvest.org. 
Well, next time, a special treat. Pastor Greg is joined by his wife as they both discuss the Bible's encouragement to Christian wives and mothers. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher Greg Laurie. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Sign up for daily devotions and learn how to become a Harvest Partner at harvest.org.